everybody, welcome to the podcast that asks the question. Hey, remember the aughts? Remember those times? My name is Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mean (laughs) to. I was like, do you remember those times? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't mean to cut you. No, let's just leave it as is. Yes. (laughs) This is how we're entering today. Beautiful. I'm Courtney. And this is Thomas. And we're going to talk about everything from the 2000s, from those weird hypersexualized jelly bracelets that everybody was wearing, to every layer of tank top you wore in middle school. That, that was a good one. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know what I remember? I remember uh, My Chemical Romance to Mood Rings. Ooh, that's perfect. Yeah, just to let the whole world know how edgy and angry you were in class. Yeah, those seem like a solid combo. You definitely was wearing them with a My Chemical Romance t-shirt. Okay, side note. Yes, side note. <laughs> I wanted to tell you. I saw a recent picture of Kristen Doty, who mm-hmm. has just been disgraced publicly for um, her racist actions against Faith Stowers. But I saw a picture of her. This woman is like 37. Yes. And it was a picture that was probably like only a few years old. She doesn't look any different in this picture than she does now. And she is rocking multiple colored jelly bracelets. That's beautiful. And they're like interlaced the way that people would wear them in the 2000s. That's incredible. And I'm like, my goodness, who is this creature? (laughs) Another quick side note. Do you remember how... The jelly bracelets were just kind of like an alternative like fashion statement, but then the news picked it up as this thing like each different jelly band means a different sex act that you've done. Oh, that's where that came from? Yeah. I thought, okay, I mean, I only wore them because of, yes, there were black bracelets and I was edgy, so I had to wear black bracelets just like everybody else. And I the only time that I saw anybody actually address the bracelets were a sexy thing or whatever was Degrassi. Yeah. Well, because it's not true. Like most kids, that's the thing with most youth culture. Like you see it now, like is TikTok used to pick up young girls more at six? Like it's always some crazy news story that's like hypersexualizing a thing that nobody sexualized. Yeah, sure. Um, also, I have another question before we begin today's topic. Yes. Are we doing a history podcast? We, this is kind of a history podcast. Is, is this a, is this a history podcast? I mean, if we want to get, if we want to get academic about it, we are <laughs> talking about the, so, you know, socio-political and historical events that happened within the span of 10 years. I'm gathering research through emerging trends in alternative rock music. We are breaking down the social norms and expectations of the time through the media. (laughs) Which we're definitely going to get through today when we talk about certain commercials. Yes, this was a, I'm not going to, I'm going to open up and say this was a, this was my pick. Okay. It was a very, (laughs) (laughs) this is definitely going to be one of the more loose form episodes uh it was an idea i had i was like yeah um i drank a lot of monster energy drink in the aughts which (laughs) i love the way we 
came about this episode topic so much because I sent you a literal web chart with themes and lists and topics and events. And then you were just like, I want to do an episode about monster. Monster, anti-Christ, 666 in Hebrew, and then the Bible talks about the beast and the devil maps. And I was like, yes, let's definitely do it. I was drinking Monster as I said that, by the way. <laughs> and the reason I thought about it is because uh, it became a joke at work. Yeah. Uh, I'm the only guy that drinks Monster at work. Oh, good. I like your coworkers so much now. <laughs> <laughs> They're all Red Bull people. So, oh, no, I don't yeah. like that either. <laughs> uh, it's a thing. Look, my personal history with Monster Energy Drink and Energy Drink in general, it's, it's like a curve. Like, I've gone through cycles where I'm drinking it and then cycles where I'm not. And I happened to be at a cycle point where I was drinking it. And people were, you know, we joked about it at work. And uh, I remember my boss saying, he's like, what, like, what are you, in high school? Yeah. And I said, yeah, man, I'm about to slam dance at Blood of the Dance Floor. Oh, my God. So, for me, it was like, there is this connection, there is this, like, nostalgic connection for monster energy drink in high school and like that whole aughts alternative edgy scene movement because that's i think that's really where the marketing for not only monster but like mm -hmm. energy drinks in general really hit the market hard during this very particular time of like edginess alternative you know this is the era of new metal and then you know scene and emo and post-hardcore yeah. Where if you went to any of those festivals, you always saw a monster, rock star, amp. You always saw something. You saw the energy drinks was just like intricate to that culture in a way. I didn't drink monster. Courtney, I think it's time. Time for what, Tom? I think it's time for our Zoomer correspondent segment. Kesey, I actually know that you and I have a very... We have something in common, and that's yeah. Monster Energy Drink. Yes. <laughs> when did you start, and what is like... Because for us, Monster Energy Drink was very associated with edginess and like the hardcore punk and metal scene. What is yeah. Monster for you guys? Or is it just like a energy drink? I feel like... I don't know. People. I feel like people start drinking energy drinks to to be cool nowadays it's like yeah you're cool you drink energy drinks and not coffee wow um but it's, it doesn't really mean anything i feel like it's just yum very good in tum i agree yes at all you're <laughs> I think a better I person had, for it i don't know um i did have balls a lot. I was a balls girl. Balls <laughs> I was a big are fantastic. Fan. Yeah, I was a big fan of uh, the balls energy drink. I think it just tastes better. Uh, I now that I remember, I was going into this episode thinking I've never had a full can of Monster, but I did. I had the Java Monster once, which was like the coffee energy drink by Monster, and that one didn't taste terrible. Yeah, it just tastes like watered-down coffee. Exactly. So I'm, I'm going into this with very little experience 
having any actual monster energy drink. Um, I just remember, like you were saying, that like it was a thing to be drinking alternative energy drinks. And I think maybe that's because when you were a kid, when you were an alternative kid, it was cool to be up late. Like you were cool if you were up late, either going to shows or just ranting on AIM and changing your top eight on MySpace. Yes. So part of that was drinking alternative energy drinks. Oh, yeah. And definitely like doing my research into this, there was a boom. Like I would say like right in the beginning of the 2000s, energy drinks just like took off as this like immensely successful market. And you know you're an immensely successful market when for years to come there are still people and news you know articles talking about are energy drinks bad for you? <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, yes, that's the short answer. Yes, they are bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> but like with, with everything you do, you have to be responsible and have it in moderation. I am not here to promote and tell anyone to drink energy drinks. I am here to tell you that there's it's it's a fascinating look at that time. And I don't know if you want me to start mm -hmm. with some of the history of energy drinks. Before we get started into that, I just sure. want to say one thing and then like I definitely want to go right into the information i've noticed that like the stuff that we were talking about we went into the jelly bracelets and now we're going into monster energy drink i think it's just every generation culturally the news will attack whatever teenagers are interested in and be like is this bad is no this matter the, what it is is yeah. this the thing you the boomer should be terrified of are those strange clothes and strange music a part of a phase or something more dangerous right and then as soon as like parents hear that they're like what is this thing oh, i don't know what it is like i wonder if the same thing happened with those silly animal bracelets that people were wearing for a while in the late 2000s like oh yeah probably yeah <laughs> okay i'm ready for your uh monster energy drink information now i'm so excited yes. i just had to ask that question all right so I'm going to give a little bit of a history on Monster Energy Drink and its humble beginnings. I mean, really not humble. Uh, Monster Energy Drink started in, its official launch was in 2002, mm -hmm. and it was produced by a company called Hansen. Now, Hansen goes way back into like the 30s. They were like a soda company out of SoCal that just kind of did okay for a very long time mm -hmm. and didn't really have national success until they tried in the 80s and failed. <laughs> they, they <laughs> I was going to say, do they have any drinks that I would know aside from Monster? Interestingly enough, yes. They actually, during what happened is they kind of slip and failed in the okay. 80s and were purchased by California Copacker Corporation. And that's when they started kind of building back up. And in the 90s, you see... The thing about Hansen is that they're more of like a trend chaser than they are a setter. Mm. So they would follow basic trends. Like they had, you know, their own uh, sweet and iced tea or lemonade iced tea after Snapple released theirs. Um, they followed in soda trends. And then they, they did acquire uh, different juice companies. That's one of their big markets was juices. Mm. Yeah, a bunch of... Yeah, they had they had acquired a bunch of juice companies and just just kind of made it by following trends. Like they were never 
not until like the 2000s, but you know, for up and through the 90s, they were just kind of chasing trends. They were always suffering from FOMO. Yes. Yeah. Um, they were trend centers, even even when because Red Bull became internationally successful first. Mm-hmm. Red Bull took off around the world in the 90s, and that was a very popular thing in Europe. Europe was big into Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And I think even today, worldwide, Red Bull is still the most consumed energy drink. But to follow that trend, Hansen introduced their own energy drink, and literally, it is a carbon copy of Red Bull. It is a you know one of those eight ounce little cans, slim because that was the style, slim mm-hmm. little can of energy drink. Things change in the two thousands though, where instead of being completely trend you know chasers or ripoffs, they kind of took an idea and said, "Let's take the trend and do something a little different." Smart. And in 2002, um, they, they, that's when they released Monster, which notable is its much larger can, the 16-ounce can with the all-black exterior except for this big, giant, metal-looking M <laughs> on the front, and it's just Monster. Yeah. And that took off immensely. That took off immensely to the point that now, in the United States, Monster is the most consumed energy drink. I just feel bad for everyone's stomachs. Yeah. Oh, no. And then, in in like, I would even to the point where Hansen changed its name to Monster Drink Incorporated or something like that. Yeah. And as of 2012, out of all the Hansen products, because they've acquired a lot. Mm -hmm. They acquired, they actually made a deal with Coca-Cola where... All of Coca-Cola's former energy drinks, which I think include like Full Throttle and Nas, are technically now Monster products, and all of Hansen's old juice products are now Coke products. That makes sense. Trade for trade. Yeah. I've got something you want. You've got something I want. Yeah. And Monster alone holds 35% of all their, of this company's, you know, nas- like total income, which oh, wow. is a huge you know, profit. Right. I think that when we were teenagers, drinking the monster energy drink or drinking other alternative energy drinks was sort of a status symbol. Like it was an accessory just as much as jelly bracelets or chunky necklaces were. Um, It was like, it was a thing that you had. Versus now where it's like, all right, I'm really tired and I'm going to go pick up a Monster Energy drink. Oh, yeah. There's a definitely... Yeah. Now it's more functionality than it yeah. is aesthetic. Like, yeah. I know for me, drinking Monster was definitely that thing that, you know, we started to dress like an edgy new wave, you know, edgy new wave, no, new metal kid. Yeah. Wearing baggy black t-shirts, stupid caps, and baggy jeans. And doing the thing that you were allowed to do at 13, and that's just walk around town. Mm-hmm. And the fun thing to do is like, hey, man, I'm going to go get a monster at CVS. I distinctly remember when we were juniors in high school, um, when, we had, when I had math with Joe, you know, he had the huge collection of monster tabs. Oh, yeah. On his pants. Yeah. Uh, he had so many that we had a substitute teacher in math who let us listen to music while we were taking a test. And you just hear Joe going tap, 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 tap. And then everyone 
starts looking at him during the test. And he has no idea that we're looking at him because he's taking the test with his music on. So I just tapped his hand going like, hey, you're annoying everybody. Your loud clanky (laughs) noises are annoying everybody. Your loud angsty monster energy drink tabs are very disturbing. And he just went like, oh, my bad. And then took them off and put them in his backpack. Because he had so many. I had one too. Yeah. It wasn't as big as Joe's, but I had I had a very big collection of caps from my energy drink collection. <laughs> and I remember it I had I had an interesting household. I love my family. Mm-hmm. And my mom was very lazy fair so long as I was doing the right things and wasn't hurting myself or anybody else. Same. My aunt would freak out. My <laughs> aunt was a health nut and she was like you're going to cut your life short by 30 years by drinking that. <laughs> and that just made me want to drink more. <laughs> it, there definitely was this like rebellious attitude about drinking this otherwise garbage drink. Well, I think at some point in every teenager's life, they're like, I want to do this thing that's a little bit bad for me. And yes. grownups don't like it. Even though as a grownup and a caregiver and a caretaker, now I'm like, why would you do that to your body? Yeah. <laughs> but as a teenager, you're like, I'm drinking this thing that's a little bit not okay. Even though, in the grand scheme of things, you were doing literally nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it definitely fed to the time because, yet, like I said, like you would go to shows, you would go to festivals, you would go to mm-hmm. just any kind of event, and energy drinks were an, an intricate part of that scene. Mm-hmm. And I know each one kind of had its own thing. Like, you mentioned balls before, which yeah. I I still love to this day. I know, me too. <laughs> and it stinks that you can only find them at, like, micro centers. God bless micro center. This is not an ad, but God yeah. bless micro center for still giving us access to balls energy drink. <laughs> balls energy drink really attached itself to the, like, the gaming PC scene. Right. And I don't know if that was a detriment or, like, it's mild success because then you have monster you know and i'll even i'm going to talk a little bit soon about rockstar because that's its own fucking can of worms <laughs> but uh i think you've it, opened a whole new can of worms in general of energy drinks i think we might have to do more episodes in the future about some other ones as well <laughs> yes but there is definitely this like branding that's very linked to the cultural you know scenes of the mm-hmm. time like mm-hmm. here's some of the here's some of the acts. This is today, not two thousands. I mean, some of these are from two thousands, but these are some of the acts that Monster sponsors today. You have Fetty Wap, Iggy, Iggy Azalea, oh, so Twenty One Savage, Asking Alexandria. They're still Thra- around. Yeah, <laughs> um, thrash metal band Anthrax. Yeah, The World Alive. Machine Gun Kelly. He's an interesting one that we have to talk about at some point. Yes. Yeah. Suicidal Tendencies. That's also a great name. Corn and oh. Five Finger Death Punch. You know, it's funny to me how people... When, so, when a celebrity does something bad, there are always a group of people who are like, no, we can't erase them from our cinematic or pop cultural history. And it's like, look how quickly we were able to get rid of Iggy Azalea. We yeah, can we do this. 
We got rid of her very quickly. Yeah, as soon as she entered, she left. Yep. Because people found out, oh no, she's not a good person. No. So when people say that we can't get rid of somebody because of the bad things that they've done in pop culture, I just want to mention Iggy Azalea. That is true. And rightfully so. She needed to get out. Monst- I will say that, um, just to add some, some more factoids. Uh, yes. Actually, I don't have the actual number, but Monster itself has a significant amount of branding for just the brand Monster alone. Like, the amount of drinks they have. Like, you mentioned the Java one. Mm-hmm. They have branched out into so many different flavors and different types. It's it's incredible. Like, they have... I will say this, as someone who is a diabetic, um, it is... It is... I do kind of like the fact that more than half of their selection is sugar-free. Mm-hmm. That is something that, like, traditionally you sacrifice. Like, I don't drink right. diet soda... Like yeah, I don't so drink. It's kind of gross. It it is really gross. It's it gives really you the gross. worst heartburn. Yeah. But like even when I was, the actual selection for diet alternatives were crap. Mm-hmm. So to have like when you drink a monster, it it's like the even though you can argue to taste whatever, the original tastes just the same as the diet, and the diet has like fifteen different versions. So that I do appreciate that little bit of like variety in that they've explored several different types of flavors. They have like monster tea. You can go buy monster tea. I saw a commercial for one that they came out with last year. So maybe this is one of the more maybe this is the most recent one that they've come out with, but it was called Monster Mule. Yeah. And I really like Moscow mules and ginger beer. So I'm kind of curious to see what that one tastes like. Yeah. That's about it. Now, I wanted to know, because I did more, I did a little bit of the research of the sponsorships and the, yeah. the, the humble beginnings of this company, but you did, I think, the more interesting research. You oh, watched old boy. monster commercials. Will you oh. please tell me what you, based on actually, like, based on how we've been talking about the societal and cultural, like, Oh, Tom, that, yeah. <laughs> what a rabbit hole I fell into. I'm excited for this. I feel like I need to watch something um, like Golden Girls to counterbalance the amount of hyper-masculinity in the Monsters commercials. Oh, yeah. Uh, They're mostly all kind of what I expected. I don't really remember a lot of Monster commercials as a kid, so these all kind of came to me with fresh eyes. But they all involved... Musicians getting ready for a hardcore show, and then these really hot babes with really thick eyeliner show up and are like, Hey, how about a monster? Hey, Diecast, want to pick me up? My question is, how did they enter that space to begin with? But whatever. And then they drink the monster, and they're rocking out on stage, and the mosh pit's going crazy. And then... Um, yeah, it's mostly, like, men. Really rough, like, rugged men with thick necks and facial hair who probably need a shower. And they're either doing sports or they're doing something really extreme, which Monster Energy Drinks, other energy drinks usually did end up sponsoring, which was, like, extreme sports. 
Um, yes. So it was always like rough, rugged men, super hot, sexy ladies. Um, when I watched the, when I watched the one for the monster mule, it was sort of this cowboy western standoff, and this came out only last year. So I wonder if this is what they tried to do, but they have two cowboys facing each other off and both of their guns get shot down. And they're like, who's this other person? We want that monster mule. And then in walks a sexy cowgirl with like most of her midriff showing, which doesn't seem totally safe for a cowgirl. No. You know, and she shoots both their guns down. She takes the monster She's the winner. And that's basically the story of how Monster figured out feminism. Congratulations, world. Sexism has been solved by Monster Energy. Monster Energy Drink cures your masculinity problems. But it's totally in line with other brands that we grew up with at the time. Like, I think of Axe Body Spray commercials. Oh, yeah. And, like, even... Because, like, I'm looking at some of the other... Because Monster has its hand in a lot of extreme sports, like you said. Yeah. Like, including the UFC. Which, if you remember the 2000s, that's when UFC really took off. Like, mixed martial arts and ultimate fighting had been around for a long time and never really took off until the 2000s. And that's, like, there was this big boom. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, it became synonymous with, like, over-the-top aggression you know yeah and in a lot of the commercials what would happen when somebody would drink the monster drink is the m would show up in their eyes as if like they're turning into a werewolf or something so sort of resorting to this primitive aggressive state um which is seen as very manly hyper strength you know very aggressive and i mean yeah, what else is there to say about Monster Energy Drink other energy drink other than this was the kind of person that they wanted to sell you on who was drinking it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating. And I think you mentioned um energy drinks in general kind of encompassing this kind of like image. Mm-hmm. And that does give me a little leeway to kind of cross over into Rockstar yeah. Energy Drink. <laughs> Who was not originally the focus of this episode, but I think I became more interested in the culture surrounding energy drinks in general. Mm -hmm. So to launch off that, I found this out, and this was interesting, because Rockstar launched in 2001 with the 16-ounce can. So to kind of put... Yes. So Monster... I I gave them false credit for being, you know, a little unique and switching from the little tiny 8-ounce can to the 16-ounce can, but it looks like Rockstar had them beat by a year. Um, and, uh, but you know what? Fuck Rockstar Energy Drink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it was founded by the son of conservative talk show host, Michael Savage. Um, I remember this is a funny factoid speaking about the whole masculine image and Mm -hmm. going after that, uh, a men's health magazine. I don't remember what year it came out, but men's health rated Rockstar Energy Drink the worst energy drink and suggested you drink a monster instead. (laughs) So I think that, and I said this earlier to you, that these two, their advertisements are very similar. Their image is very similar. Obviously, even their serving proportions are very similar. That I compared them to, to Hilary Duff is to Lindsay Lohan is 
Rockstar Energy Drink was to Monster Energy Drink. Yes. And the real only reason I wanted to talk about Rockstar a little bit was because of the music impact. Like, Rockstar, I would say 2008 was the first year they did this. And Mm -hmm. I think it's been canceled until COVID's over. But Mm -hmm. Rockstar became synonymous with, you know, the music scene because of uh, the Mayhem Festival which was a music festival for metal and hardcore bands that started around 2008. And here's just the lineup from 2008. I have the lineup from 2008 and from 2009. Do that it. Would, that would encompass the aughts. Uh, some of these names are super recognizable even to this day. And some of them, I have no idea who they are. <laughs> but, but we have the main stage for Rockstar Mayhem in 2008, Slipknot, Disturbed. Dragon Force, riding off the success oh, of Guitar Hero. I remember Dragon Force, yeah. Mastodon. Then we had Machine Head, Airborne, Five Finger Death Punch, Walls of Jericho. Then you had Under Oath, Black Tide, Suicide Silence, 30, Under Oath. 36 Crazy Fists, who so I have no idea who they are, <laughs> and the, the Red Chord. Wow. Yeah. That brings back a lot of memories. I did not know Under Oath. Should I check them out? Now, I feel like our negative three fans will help us with this uh, if I have this wrong. But isn't Under Oath... Is Under Oath the band that Skrillex was in before he was Skrillex? Or was that somebody else? I actually don't know. I'll take a look for you real quick. Yeah. Because I remember a kid that I had in my Latin class was always wearing his Under Oath hoodie. And then when I was still working in bridal, I actually helped plan his entire bride's wedding attire. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just so funny how, you know, I I didn't see anybody from high school when I left college. And then once I came back and worked in bridal on Jericho Turnpike, I ran into everybody always, all the time. I think he was in a, according to his wiki, he was in a band called From First to Last. That's it. That's the band. I think I just sort of associate the two of them as being very similar. Yeah. Because, you know, there's such branches to everything that happened in the 2000s, but also like pop culture in general, because you have sort of like your first string energy drinks, like Monster. And then you trickle down into Rockstar and some other ones I'm sure you're going to mention. And then you've also got bands like My Chemical Romance that kind of trickle down into Under Oath and From First to Last. But From First to Last is the band that Skrillex came from. You're right. Yes. they. I believe they were a post-hardcore band. So they, they would have been around the same scene. And obviously right. purists of the hardcore will get very upset. Yes. But I am not here to... I am not here right. to be right. I am here to talk Monster Energy Drink. Yeah, we are here as spectators and, you know, researchers in phenomenology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, and then this one, this is their two- Mayhem's 2009 uh, set list. Which, Go for it. If you notice the 2008 one, skews a little bit more of that new metal, mm-hmm. kind of more general 2009, it gets a little bit more specific, and you start to see more of, like, the core scene involved. Although there's some classic 
death metal groups involved in 2009. Okay. On the main stage, you had Marilyn Manson. Oh, wow. Slayer. Kill Switch Engage. Bullet for My Valentine. Oh, boy. Mushroom Head. Uh, then you had Trivium. All That Remains. God Forbid. Uh, Cannibal Corpse. Oh, that one I remember. Behemoth. Job for a Cowboy. The Black Dahlia Murder. And Whitechapel. Okay. So you know what's funny is when I was looking at Monster Energy Drink, um, their own concert that they've been trying to plug came up and the bands that they're supporting. Yeah. And it seems to me like they are supporting different kinds of music. And I even looked up one. Her name is DJ Sage. And she was super cool, but very different from what I anticipated. Like I anticipated more of what you're talking about with the Mayhem Festival. It's just yeah. new metal, death metal, all these kinds of like um, Hard harder posts. Or, yeah. Right. Um, but I was surprised to listen to her stuff. It was very cool. I wish she had more music. She's only got like one single on there. So if negative five people can find more on DJ Sage for me, I would be very happy. I'm going to listen to DJ Sage as yeah. soon as this is over. She's very cool. I like her. And she's a New York original. So Really? Yeah. Nice. So to go off, I also wanted to kind of, you know, we talked a lot about Monster. We go in a little bit about Rockstar. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think the big point of this episode is we're talking about, like, the culture that's kind of surrounded, that, that, that either got, it kind of got encompassed by energy drinks. Right. Is that the right way to say it? Totally. You had to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's two more energy drinks I want to mention because they kind of lead themselves to looking at the evolution of energy drinks from the beginning of the aughts to the end. Uh, in 2006, we got introduced to this garbage, garbage, garbage drink called cocaine that actually advertised the fact that it burned on the way down as being a good thing. I mean, if you're going to have a title like cocaine, you have to lean into its reputation. Yes. Uh, cocaine was known for having a tremendous amount of caffeine and uh, karama. Is that how you say it? Guarana? Yeah. That's what's in balls too, right? Yes. Yeah. Like it had an unreasonable amount. So much so that it was pulled from shelves in 2007 for I think about a year. <laughs> but uh, cocaine is special to my adolescence in particular because the group of friends that I was hanging out with and... Actually, Joe was around. He actually <laughs> drank. Yeah. Uh, cocaine was one of those things that you saw at a gas station and said, dude, are you going to try it? Yeah. And then people, uh, Joe tried it. Yeah. He did not like it. Yeah. It tasted terrible and it burns. I'm not going to lie. I think I had a sip of it once. I tried cocaine once. Uh, <laughs> um, I tried the energy drink once, and I think I liked the flavor more than ener than Monster Energy Drink. But also, really? uh, that is one sip. It is not an entire can. I could not drink an entire can of that shit. Yeah. I might as well shove sandpaper down my esophagus. Yeah, <laughs> but like that's the thing is like it was... It marketed itself on the extremity of an extremity already. Like, it's building up to this point. And then I think the beautiful finale to the culture of energy drinks comes at the peak uh, with the drink that we know and love, Four loco. Here we are. Here, here is where 
like it really hits a climax with energy drinks and young millennials at this point because yes this drink was insane i never had it i never tried it because i was a good girl but (laughs) um we were just talking i was talking about this with eric we were talking about monster energy drink and then the conversation just so easily and subconsciously shifted over to four locos oh 100 percent. yeah four loco quick story about four loco Started in 2005 by a couple graduates from Ohio State University. Freaking Ohio. They were. uh, The story is going to kind of encompass everything we've talked about in terms of bro culture. Yeah. These were graduates from Ohio State University who were all members of a fraternity and made this drink based off the drinks they made in their fraternity, the original prototype being called Energy Beer. Ew. It was marketed as a premium malt liquor in cherry and berry flavors. The drink contained terrine, guarana, caffeine, and wormwood. It is the psychoactive ingredient of absinthe. So that's where the alcohol Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god, no wonder why people were going crazy. Yeah, this is very much like the peak, the pinnacle peak of bro culture. This is the inevitability of when you launch an energy drink in 2001. 2002 where this is gonna go yeah this is what happens when you have something that you've created in the 2000s most likely a fraternity's gonna fuck it up for us because we were at college or we graduated high school in 2009 so for us Mm -hmm. this is very much like whether you were a part of it or not and due to my own condition i never touched the four loco right but it was very much a part of the scene it was very much a part of that the college life to a point where um, the FDA and the government stepped in around 2009 and said, "You guys can't do this anymore. Like this is this is this is horrendous." <laughs> Four loco is still around today, but not in its original form. I know that uh, it is still a malt liquor, but I do not believe it has nearly as much caffeine. And I don't know, but I I think really the idea of using the active the psychoactive ingredient of absence in your recipe. Yeah. might be a cause for concern. Um, don't do it. <laughs> no. It's not like a challenge where we're like, don't do it, but it's cool if you can do it. Don't do it. There are so many other things that you can do with your time. But, and then I think after Four Loco, they just tried to change it to something like Jungle Juice. Like, Jungle Juice was just the great-great-grandchild of Four Loco. <laughs> I think it was a yeah, it was a knockoff of um, Four Loco. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, we're adults now. We're, right. We're we're the adults, the millennial adults. That's you know everyone likes to make fun of. Um, and obviously we've been on shutdown, so I can't tell you. But I don't think this type of drinking culture. I mean, it's still around, like vodka Red Bulls. You know, right? Energy drink mixed with liquor is still a thing. Right. But I don't know if it's, like, as celebrated or fetishized as it was around this time. Okay, so then I guess it's time to ask the question. Yes. Do you think that this would work in today's time, in 2020? Monster energy drink. If you launched it for, like, let's say in, in an alternate universe where yeah. everything's the same except Monster Energy Drink did not launch. Right. In 2002, and it launched in 2020... I do. I think the aesthetic and the look would not work. 
it wouldn't because there's not like the youth culture is not latching on to the look of a new metal can of energy drink. It's right. I think that the look itself would not work, but I think the the concept would. I think that mm. especially being in because like Monsters like whereas internationally Red Bull is the most consumed energy drink. Monster is has a stronghold in America. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a reason for that whole like overindulgence and high work expectation, very Protestant work ethic. So I think high like high caffeinated drinks are still a rewarded thing. Like we still mm-hmm. go to Starbucks. A Starbucks cup of coffee has how much more caffeine than a regular cup of coffee. But I think that the I don't know if it would have had the same success with the look and aesthetic catching on because like 2000s, like you were saying with that hyper-masculine image, the the alternative culture, the music scenes, the extreme Mm -hmm. sports, that was such like a perfect mesh of things happening all at once that it exploded. I don't know if you could replicate that success not changing the aesthetic at all. Like maybe if it launched itself as like I hate to get I hate to say it but like if it launched itself as more of a natural caffeinated beverage feeding off you know with vegan ingredients and animal safe it might do very well I was I was gonna say the same thing I think that especially with teenagers now they want something softer they're in a very crazy chaotic world right now they don't want to be punched in the face by an energy drink <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that, and maybe that's why Monster itself has shifted to the flavors like the ginger beer or the tea, because that's what we're all looking for now is something a little softer, um, more natural, it's lighter, you know, in the early 2000s, everything had to be hard. You had to go at everything hard. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. But since you did mention Four Locos and how mixing alcohol and energy drinks are really bad. And I have mentioned that I've never actually had that much Monster. I think we need to try a mixed cocktail with Monster Energy Drink, just to see what that would even possibly taste like. Absolutely. I'm down (laughs) for this. We'll find some recipes and make this work. We'll find some recipes, and then we will post it on our Instagram when... (laughs) we release this episode and that way our negative five fans can go check out our Instagram and uh, see what we decided to make with monster energy drinks. Yes, that'll be fun. Now, another thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap, uh, I sent, I found this beautiful link called caffeineinformer.com forward slash death by caffeine. Yeah. Really subtle message that they're sending. I like their nuance. Yes, this is a calculator that determines by your weight uh, how much of a specific energy drink you can have <laughs> before it kills you. Uh, I will give the disclaimer, applies to age 18 and over. This calculator does not replace professional medical advice. We are not doctors. Do not take this with, you know, do not take this as fact. More as we are a not fun- doctors. Um, this website is not a doctor. No. no, we are just having fun poking at what this website says. We, It gives you the maximum amount you can have in a day and then the lethal dosage you can have in a day. So if I, if you don't mind me starting. Please do. Uh, I put in Monster Energy, the original one, the green one, with my weight. 
and I calculated the results, and for the safe amount I can have in a day is 3.2, <laughs> and it would take 81 cans to kill me. Oh, Tom. We have vastly different numbers. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. I just want to add, because this is going to come up in later episodes, and I, I've mentioned this in the Snakes on the Plane episode, I have a weak constitution for things. When they are on a ride or on an airplane and they give you the warning, if you have a weak constitution, that applies to me. <laughs> so I don't even think the amount that they suggest on the website is even as far as I would have to go for me to feel this way. <laughs> Uh-oh. What, what is it? So my maximum amount with my weight is 1.9 cans. <laughs> Not even two cans. So that means I can't even have 32 ounces of Monster. <laughs> and for the lethal dosage, it is under 47 cans of Monster. Are you <laughs> Oh, no. I am weak. Do not give me Monster. <laughs> that is... You know what? I understand. <laughs> now... If you will, because I'm very curious to see how this goes. Yes. We talked about the, the garbage of energy drinks. Uh, I put in cocaine energy drink. Okay. Don't get, there is two options. There's cocaine energy drink and cocaine shot. Don't do the cocaine shot. Do the energy drink. Okay. Uh, I did my results. The most I can have in one day is a can, a single can. Okay. And it would take 46 cans to kill me. Okay, so mine says 1.1 uh, can. And it says 26.8 cans of cocaine energy drink would kill me. That's, that's insane. That's what is this? Like, it's an eight ounce can. Literally, it yeah. wouldn't, you could pour the amount that it would take to kill you in a pitcher right. and chug it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Do you know what I just remembered? What's that? Oh my gosh. Okay. When we were youngins and... In our group of friends, we had so many March birthdays. Yeah. So what we would do at the uh, approval of our host, Tom, you would host an all-nighter in your basement where we'd play video games all night. And I distinctly remember one where Joe, was it a bottle of cocaine and a shot of Monster or was it... A shot of cocaine in a bottle of Monster. I think it was a shot of cocaine in a pint of Monster. Okay. I think so, too. And I remember chugging it. I remember him chugging it. And I was filming the whole thing. And as he's chugging it, you can see the shade of his skin turned so pink that it literally matched the pink shirt he was wearing. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is my life partner, y'all. <laughs> and you know what's insane? I, I'm so glad you brought that up. I almost entirely forgot. Right. But yeah, I hosted back in high school because I was a good kid. I didn't go drinking and partying in high school. Yeah, we were <laughs> not cool, but we had a great time. We were not cool, but we were cool in the group of friends who were not cool. We probably had an arguably better high school experience based on our development because we focused more on having fun instead of doing things that were not meant for teenagers. No. Yeah. So, um, so I remember hosting, yeah, because 
Mar I I think I did it three times. They were all nighters yeah. where we all stayed up and played video games and it was so it was just a simple idea. And because this was before like I mean flat screens were a thing, but back then you could just get away with a big ass CRT TV. Right. So I would just have people bring like their TVs and their gaming systems and I would just buy a shit ton of energy drinks and pizza and we would just hang out and play all night. This was these were phenomenal memories. Right. Like I have I have so many of the pictures still. These will have to go on the Instagram. And we had so many sleeping bags and like pillows ready, but they were rarely ever used or there would be a point where somebody would definitely go to sleep and there were always two to three people who stayed up with just the TV screen blaring in their faces. Oh yeah. I was telling my mom how, like, a lot of teenage girls who would say, like, by the way, mom, I'm gonna go hang out at my friend's house all night and play video games, and they'd usually be lying. No, I was actually telling the truth. I was actually going to hang out with you guys, and we would play video games all night. Yeah, you were slamming dunks in Halo. You had important <laughs> things to do. I, Halo 3. I definitely am not good at Halo, but thank you for letting people think I'm good at Halo. I was only good at Halo when I was very tired and the anxiety of playing the game went away and I just did fuck all whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Left 4 Dead 2 was... No, Left 4 Dead... The first Left 4 Dead, I think, one of the movie nights... The overnight, sorry. One of the overnights. Left 4 Dead was the big game that everyone was paying attention to. Mm -hmm. Like, we all had different consoles and different games going on. You had Smash, um, both Melee and Brawl going on at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, Guitar Hero, Rock Band. But I think there was always one game where most people had their eyes glued on, and I think one of them, it was Left 4 Dead, and that game just has so many fond memories. It was a good game. The amount of nonsense you can do in that very simple zombie game. Yeah. Man, what a time. We'll have to cover it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. A whole Valve in general we can... Yeah. The orange box, yeah. Absolutely. Well, that was a great trip down memory lane. That was a beautiful trip down memory lane. Thank you for joining us on this episode solely about energy drinks. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go get a Monster now. <laughs> yeah, this was not a plug for Monster. I don't even think that they would find it a plug. Uh, they'd probably be a little bit upset by our... The amount of times I called them garbage. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, that just goes to show you that, like, memories and nostalgia, they stick around a thing no matter what that thing is. Even if it's a band, if it's a movie, or if it's something like Monster Energy Drink. Alright guys, thank you so much for listening to us of Remember the Ots. You can listen to us on Spotify, where we will be posting weekly. And you can also check out our interactive content on our Instagram Remember the Ots podcast, and that's with zero zeros. So it's Remember the Zero Zeros podcast. Be sure to like. Give us all the likes. Follow and like. <laughs> and share. I want to know. We want to know your stories, too. I can't wait to hear about what other people have to say. So thank you for joining us. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, stay tuned, guys. <laughs>